hearts unfold like flowers before you opening to the sun above. Felt the clouds of sin and sadness drive her on the dark away. Give her of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. 
forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. My Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty. Blood, we're washed clean. 
death could not hold you down. You are the risen King, seated in majesty. thing to be able to declare and to know that Christ is risen and all that that means for your world and for us. We pray that our worship will truly reflect that truth, that we believe it and we embrace it and we live it through your grace. Thank you for being present with us today and thank you for speaking into our lives as we worship together. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others here in worship this morning. Good morning. As we uh, continue in worship, two things in your bulletin. Uh, next Sunday is the last day to bring your boxes for Operation Christmas Child. So if you have those, just make sure you get them here uh, by next weekend. And then they eventually next week will get passed along to the other distribution centers and make their way around the world. And thank you in advance for all who have, are participating in that and helping with that. Uh, also, next Sunday, we are hosting a, a lunch for uh, college students, grad students, and if you are a college or grad student and you did not get one of these invitations, make sure you grab one on your way out today. If you did get one, we'd love to have you attend. You can just tear off the end of it and throw it in the offering plate. And it's really just a sense of kind of getting a feel for how many people may be here. Uh, If you don't turn one in, you can still come. And also, as uh, folks who are uh, year-round residents, we'd love to have you be a part of this because it's really something we want to do to connect each other, to get to know one another, build relationships. It's not just about college students, but it's all of us. If you haven't yet signed up and you'd like to come, bring some food, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. You can uh, see Pastor Cindy or uh, look for that, and we'll help you with that. And you can contact the office this week as well. But we really want this to be a time of connecting uh, together and to help each other uh, feel more connected in Christ and as a church family. I'd like to invite the ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us.
This is a Sunday in which we are joining with churches all over the world to pray specifically for the persecuted church. And we have made this a part of our weekly practice, but today it uh, is a more international kind of event. And uh, as the video just said, to think about praying with the persecuted church and to pray uh, with them to be the people of God as they continue to face difficulties and hardships. And so that's what we want to be a part of our prayer time this morning as we pray for them and we also pray for ourselves and the other needs of the world. As we pray together, if you'd like to come and join me at the altar rail, I invite you to do so at this time. Father, this morning we thank you that your church is so much bigger than just us. Your church is historic and universal. You have people all over this world, in every country of this world, every place of this world, who cry out, Jesus is Lord. This morning we join the voices of Millions and millions of people throughout the world praying for those who face opposition and persecution because they declare that you are who you are. We pray today, Father, not only for our brothers and sisters in the midst of difficulty, but we pray with them. We pray, Father, that that you will give them strength in the midst of difficulties, that they will continue to see you in the struggles and the pain and the heartache and the disappointment and the opposition and the threats, things that, quite frankly, we know very little about. We pray that you will give them strength and grace, that they may bear witness to you every moment. And we pray, Father, that those who persecute them those who oppose your church, those who are antagonistic, even violent toward your church, would see Christ in your people. And their hearts would be open to you. And their minds would be changed and transformed. And they would also cry, Jesus is Lord. May your grace be upon your church this day. Father, we pray for the work of your church around the world. We think of Cedric and Charlene Rodrigo in Sri Lanka as they serve you in the midst of difficult circumstances, particularly having just gone through a flood and still dealing with all of the damage to churches and homes and people's lives. We pray for your healing and we pray for the the church in Sri Lanka. They will continue to witness your grace and mercy. Father, we pray for all who are dealing with other recent disasters and terrorist attacks and fighting and war in so many places. And we pray that you would bring peace and healing 
We pray that you would bring healing and help to refugees who uh, face great difficulties. Many of these refugees are Christians who are in need of protection and help. But for all refugees, we pray that you would bring shelter and safety and the ability to go back home. We pray for our nation, and we pray that you would bring healing to our nation that is so often divided. We pray about the elections on Tuesday. We ask that you would help us to be, um, to be voices of compassion and love and grace, even with those we may disagree with. We pray, Father, that, that you will bring your grace to bear on this election and that you will help your church throughout this country to be voices of hope and voices of peace and love and grace, whatever the outcome. Father, we continue to pray for our church and for the needs of our church. We pray for all who are grieving and ask for your grace in their lives. We pray for all who are dealing with struggles of health concerns. We think especially of David Hartley and Mildred Berry, Dorsa Sepian, Blanche Weaver, Tammy Dunmeyer, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, Bob Jobert, Laurel Buecher, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muecher, Mike Raybuck, Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklar, and others who are on our minds and hearts today. We thank you for the ministries of this church, and today we pray for our adult Sunday school classes. Thank you for the opportunity to meet in smaller groups and, and to talk about life issues and talk about your word and, and to talk, to connect with each other. And we pray that these classes will all help us to draw closer to you as we draw closer to each other. We pray for the churches around us. And today we remember the Genesis Bible Church and Pastor Chamberlain. Pour out your spirit upon this body of believers that they would bear witness to you in Sio and all around them. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers today. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We pray that as we move forward in the prayer vigil, that this will be a time of encountering you, drawing closer to you. And we pray that you will make this a monumental, memorable event for us personally and for us corporately. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. Following the scripture reading, uh, children can be dismissed for children's and junior church. Genesis 32. 
That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand as we sing together. Call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hands will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed, and you won't start now. And I will call upon your name.
we're week into uh, our prayer vigil, and um, I hope you've had a chance to, to be in the prayer room. I think there are so many things there, and we're hearing this from people. Are just help us encounter God. Help us experience God and connect with God. And if you haven't yet had a chance to be in there, or if you have already, there are lots of times open. Uh, this, we have two more weeks left. Um, as we've said before, you can sign up here in the back in the other foyer uh, today, anytime uh, online. And if you have, we're having a little trouble with the calendar sometimes. It looks like it's open. It's not. Just call us or contact us and we'll get you signed up. But uh, we really want these next couple of weeks to be a powerful time for us together to connect with God. One of the things about the prayer room is that it, it, I think it opens up our eyes to that, the, that there are a variety of ways to pray. There are different things that we can do. And if you're like me, I grew up with the mindset that prayer was one thing. And it was one way, and it looked the same. And if nothing else, doing these prayer vigils every year has expanded my understanding, my horizons, about how we pray, and why we pray, and what we do when we pray. And when you think about prayer, there are all kinds of ways to pray. Richard Foster has written a book on prayer, and there's probably 25 chapters in this book. And all of them are just different ways to think about prayer. And one of the ways in which we think about prayer is found in this 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis that we read just a few moments ago. Here is Jacob, who is on the side of the river by himself because he sent all of his family and all of his flock to the other side. And the reason he's done that is because he's coming back home and he's coming home to a very precarious situation. He left 20 years before on the run from his brother because he stole his brother's inheritance. And his brothers threatened to kill him. And he's hoping that 20 years has changed his brother's mindset. But he's not sure. He's worried about it. And he sends all of the flock over, all of his family over to the other side of the river and he's by himself... And I think he's by himself to think, to prepare, to get ready for meeting his brother and whatever that may mean. And while he's there waiting in anxiety and fear and uncertainty, he gets attacked. And he engages himself in this all-night wrestling match. Now, I've been thinking a lot about wrestling. I'm not a wrestler. I remember wrestling in grade school and... um, you know, I, I did it because it was gym class and we had to, but, you know, it, it, it never was something that I, I truly embraced. But I'm fascinated by people who do because I think it's an interesting sport. I think it's one of the only sports where there is nothing else except the two people involved. You know, there's no ball to throw or to run with. There's no basket to put a ball into. There's no goal to, put a, to kick a ball through. It's just two people engaged in hand-to-hand, body-to-body for three-minute rounds. The whole point of wrestling is that you are connected to each other during this whole time. And, you know, most other sports, it, you, they discourage that kind of, of physical contact. In fact, in most sports, you get penalized if you have too much physical contact. You know, we'd say basketball is not a, not a contact sport, but if you play basketball, you know that it can get... You can have a lot of contact, but you get called for fouls when you do that. 
Soccer is the same way. All, all the other sports, I think, are all about trying to avoid contact. Even in football, if you have the ball, you're not trying to run toward the person who's going to tackle you. You're trying to avoid them. In wrestling, it's just two people. And in fact, there's a rule in wrestling called stalling, that if you don't engage your opponent, if you try to avoid your opponent, you lose points. In fact, if you stand at the beginning of a match and you're standing face-to-face ready to start, and the whistle blows and you take a couple of steps back, you you get warned for that. Because the whole point of it is to engage in this bodily contact with each other, rolling on the ground, grasping, clutching, pulling, pushing... This is what wrestling is. And this is what Jacob encounters. The other thing I'm intrigued about with wrestling is that they divide wrestlers into weight classes. They don't make 225-pound seniors rest 100-pound freshmen. They divide them up. In New York State, there are 15 different weight classes for wrestling in high school. And they divide people up. Why? Because they want the matches to be fair. That's the whole point of it. And what struck me about that is that there could not be a more imbalanced wrestling match in the history of the world than Jacob versus God. Right? I mean, it makes David and Goliath look like a pretty even matchup. I mean, all God has to do is put the end of his pinky finger on Jacob's chest and he's pinned. You know, sometimes I I hear about people who who, uh, order pay-per-view for a boxing match. And, you know, they invite friends, they order all this food, and they're there, and they pay this money for it, and, and they're ready to, you know, watch ten rounds of boxing if they like that. And you read these stories of somebody, one of the guys getting knocked out in the first round, and like, we did all this for that? It's a risk you take when you buy that kind of thing. I bet there wouldn't be very many takers in a God versus Jacob pay-per-view. I mean, how long possibly could that last, right? And yet... Here is Jacob wrestling with God all through the night. And the fascinating thing to me about the story is that it's not Jacob who initiates the match. It is God. Jacob's just minding his business. And God shows up and he starts wrestling with him. And when I think about prayer, I always think that prayer is me initiating it. It's me coming to God. It's me talking to God. It's me, even me listening to God. But I'm the one who initiates all the things that happen between God and me when I pray. But what if prayer is something God initiates? What if prayer is God coming to us? What if prayer is about what God wants to do for us, not so much what we want God to do for us? In most of our Bibles, it probably has a heading of this story that says Jacob wrestles with God. I'm convinced they ought to turn that around and it ought to say God wrestles with Jacob. Because Jacob doesn't see this man and attack him. The guy sees Jacob and attacks him. God is the one who initiates this. And I think that is so important when we think about prayer. God is the one who invites us to pray. God is the one who initiates this relationship with us. God is the one who is continually saying, come to me, speak to me, listen to me. God is the initiator of this. It speaks to the nature and the character of who God is. 
Prayer is an invitation of God. It's not something we invented. God initiates this wrestling match with Jacob. In the end, Jacob ends up walking out of this blessed. He wrestles with him all night, and he finally says to him, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, on the surface, Jacob looks like he's already been blessed by God. He left 20 years before with nothing but the clothes on his back. He comes home 20 years later, and he's got wives and children and so many flocks that he can send hundreds of them ahead to his brother as a peace offering and not even miss them. He is blessed by every standard you can possibly imagine. And yet, what is it he's asking of God? Bless me. There is something in Jacob that realizes, despite all that he has and all that he owns and all that he's accomplished, something isn't quite right. And he asks to be blessed. And God's response to him is, what's your name? That seems like an odd thing to ask him when you want to be blessed. And he says, it's Jacob. And God says, well, it's no longer going to be Jacob. It's going to be Israel. Jacob literally means to grasp the heel. And that's, they named him that because when Esau, his twin brother, was born just seconds ahead of him, Jacob is grasping his heel, it looked like. But the word, that word, Jacob, figuratively means deceiver, manipulator, schemer. And Jacob has lived up to that name. He has spent his life manipulating people, deceiving people, scheming people. He did it to his brother. He did it to his father. He's done it to his uncle. I mean, most of what he has is because of he's done that. That's his life. That's how he's gotten what he's gotten. And something in him says, I don't know that that's exactly the kind of life I want to have. And certainly God is saying to him, I have more for you. When I think about blessing you, it's not all this stuff, as great as it is. I want to change who you see yourself to be. I want to change who you are. I want to change your perspective of yourself. I want to change your perspective of me. I want to make you different from the inside out. I want you to be a new person. And that's why God asks him his name, because you can't be a new person until you realize who you are in the moment. We will never be anything more than we are until we admit who we are right now. It's the first step in any kind of recovery or 12-step program. It is acknowledging, this is who I am right now. And only when we acknowledge that can we then begin to move out of that into what we were created to be. And so God says, what's your name? He says, it's Jacob. This is who I am, and I will never be any different. And God says, yes, you will. You're now Israel, and that means to wrestle with God. Your identity now is that you have wrestled with God, which seems an odd thing for God to say to him. How does that look at, how does that blessing? It seems to me like God would say, you're no longer Jacob, and now I'm going to make you like Abraham, the father of many nations. I'm going to show you how much I'm going to bless you. Instead, he says, your blessing is that you've wrestled with me. There is something about wrestling with God that is more profound than any of us realize. There's something about engaging God in prayer, engaging our lives with God this way, that that leads us to be the people God created us to be. 
to know who God is and to understand who God wants us to be and to be in walking us toward that. Because the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how much we own or don't own. It doesn't matter how much we possess or how much we've accomplished. In the end, true blessing is in here. It's being different in here. It's being set free in here. And that's God's dream for Jacob, and that's God's dream for us. But let me warn you, when you wrestle with God, you can get hurt. I mean, Jacob finds that out, that that's so real. In the middle of this wrestling match, God touches his hip and he injures him. And you can get hurt wrestling with God. Because when you begin to wrestle with God, when you begin to really give yourself to relationship with God and to know God and to God to know you, what ends up happening is God begins to put his finger on stuff in our lives that needs to change. God begins to touch us in those sensitive places about our, our motives, our priorities, our coping mechanisms. All of the ways in which we live our lives to protect ourselves and to manipulate. And God puts his finger on those things and it hurts. Because we have lived our lives relying on those things and being confident and feeling comfortable. And and we live our lives shaped around those things. But they keep us from knowing who God is. And they keep us from experiencing who God wants us to be. And so when we wrestle with God and we really get in with God, he is going to put his finger on those things. And we often walk away from that with a limp. But it's a limp of blessing Because we've begun to encounter God in a new way. I'm fascinated by the fact that Jacob, despite his injury, doesn't stop wrestling. I think if it were me, and I'm, you know, I've got this pain, I'd just roll over in agony and be crying out. Oh, I can't go anymore. I'm hurt. But not Jacob. I mean, he is so intent in this match that despite the pain that he feels, he will not let go. There is something of prayer in that. I think we give up far too soon in our prayers. I think we, I think we quit far too quickly because God has is, is, is hurt us. God is, has put his finger on something that we don't want him to. God has brought up something and it's painful. And our natural inclination is just back off and say, forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. I thought this might be a good thing, but this is too much. I don't want to do it. And one of the reasons that we we talk about spending an hour in the prayer room is, quite frankly, we give up on our prayers way too soon. We stop when things get hard. And it takes time to wrestle with God. You can't do that in five minutes. This is an all-night wrestling match that Jacob has with God. It takes time to settle in. It takes time to come to grips with things. It takes time for God to get to us. And often it doesn't even happen in an hour. It happens over time again and again and again. But we need time for that. And that's one of the reasons why we we make the prayer vigil the time that it is. That we don't just spend one hour, but hopefully we spend multiple hours coming back and continuing to wrestle with God and encounter God and meet God and hear God. 
And so we've spent our lives being Jacob's. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of repetition for us to finally begin to realize that maybe we're Israel's. It's a process we have to go through. And it means we wrestle with God. We get down in the mud with God. Sometimes we think, I think that the, that the most profound prayer is, is just simply saying, God, I trust you, let's move on. And if we can do that, that's awesome. But most of us, when we do that, this prayer of relinquishment, it's often called, sometimes the prayer of relinquishment is really just apathy. It's just simply saying, God, okay, I trust you, I just don't want to fight with you anymore, I don't want to get into this anymore, just, let's just back off. And what God is wanting for us, not to back off, but to engage. Because to pray, to wrestle with God as prayer is really to be honest with God. It's to say, God, I don't like this. I want you to do this, not that. I'm I'm unhappy. I'm struggling. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm I'm irritated. I I don't understand. And, And that's exactly what God wants. I mean, we feel it anyway. God is just simply saying, let's just be honest about this. Let's just engage one another. Let's get into this. Because the alternative is simply to roll over and say, "Eh, I don't want to mess with it anymore. God desires us to wrestle with him because he wants honesty with us. He wants us to be honest. All the other religions of the world don't just discourage honesty with God. They don't allow honesty with God. Only the God of Scripture says to his people again and again and again, I want to engage life with you. I want you to be honest with me. I want us to have, because I want that kind of relationship. And every good, healthy relationship is built on honesty. Marriage, parent-child, siblings, close friendships, it's all about honesty. And sometimes in that honesty, in fact, I would say almost all the time, We hurt each other. It's painful to be in those kinds of relationships. You give yourself in love to somebody, you can get hurt. But if we don't do that, we'll never really know love. We never really know intimacy. And that is God's dream and goal for us, to know intimacy with him. And the only way to know intimacy with God is to be honest with God. God's not afraid of our honesty. God's not afraid that, that if we're honest with him, maybe, or we're get, and we get close to him, maybe we'll find out something about him that we, he doesn't want us to know. God's an open book with us. He wants us to know the truths about him. Because only when we know the truths about him do we begin to see who he really is. And we begin to understand that he's a kind of God who initiates Wrestling matches with us. He's the kind of God who says, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. That's what I want from you. And ultimately, it will lead us to trusting God, but it's a depth of trust that comes from an intimate relationship. Not a depth of trust that is just sort of an apathetic relationship. The point of wrestling with God in prayer is not winning. It's intimacy with God. 
I wonder sometimes if, I mean, I think about myself. I I give up too quickly sometimes in in my prayers and in my wrestling with God because I want to win. And I'm not sure I'm going to win. And so I don't want to lose, so I just stop. And if you give up, it doesn't feel quite like losing. You know, it's one thing when you're in a wrestling match and you, 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 know, you tweak an ankle and you say, you know what, I'm going to lose. So I'm, stop, hold it, I can't wrestle anymore, it really hurt my ankle, and you limp off. It's a whole other thing in front of a crowd of people, just you and another person on a mat, to get pinned. It's humbling. I was talking to a wrestling coach this week, and he was telling me that uh, not that many years ago, it was easy for him to, to field an entire JV and varsity roster with wrestlers. But now he has a hard time even, even filling a varsity roster with wrestlers. And he said, what I hear from, from the kids who don't want to wrestle anymore is that you lose too much. And he said, that's the way it is with wrestling. You, you spend, unless you're one of the top-tier wrestlers... You lose a lot. That's just the way it is. That's how you learn. You know, you lose matches. And as you get older, hopefully you win more than you lose. But, it, you know, you're always going to find somebody who's a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. But that's how you get better. And, and most of the kids don't want to lose, so they just don't compete. And when I heard him say that, I thought, I think we do that with prayer. We don't want to lose. We don't want to, look, we don't want to look foolish in front of other people that we pray these bold prayers. We pray risky prayers. We really engage ourselves with God and we stick out our necks and we're afraid to do that because what if God doesn't do what we're want, we want him to do? We're going to look so stupid and we're going to look foolish. And we would rather play it safe, but God is never about playing it safe. God is all about risking. His whole experience with human beings from creation on is about risking. That's what he's calling us to. But you only are going to risk with God when you feel that intimacy with God, when you get to know who God is. And to begin to see the nature and the character of who God is. And I think you see that in this story. I mean, how in the world can Jacob last all night with God? When the, when the boys were little, we would wrestle with each other. And most of the time, you know, when they were five or six, I could beat them. I said, I'm not a very good wrestler. But... <laughs> most of the time. When they got older, that changed, you know, and then we stopped wrestling. Because I don't want to lose, right? But when they're little, you know, of course, I let them win. And it didn't make me angry when they would pin me and they would dance around celebrating, you know, and telling mom, hey, I pinned dad. It's so great. It didn't make me angry. I celebrated with them, right? Because that's what you do. You celebrate. I mean, I was happy for them because I wanted them to keep doing it. And if I pinned them every time, they would say, why would I do that? Because the point was not winning or losing. The point was just being with them and engaging with them and and having the time and the experience with them. That's what I wanted. That's what it was all about. And that's what God wants with us. Could he pin us in a moment? Of course he can. But God chooses to humble himself. And when God chooses to humble himself, be clear, he's not pretending. He really does humble himself. 
When Jesus came to this earth, he was really human. He was really tempted. Hebrews says he's tempted in every way that we are. He was tempted. It was real. When Satan met him in the wilderness and he tempted him, that wasn't a facade. That was real. When he prays in the garden about going to the cross, that's real. And when God humbles himself, it's real. He actually humbles himself to engage with us. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. Because he wants relationship with us. Because he wants us to understand who he is in the depths of our being. And he wants us to understand who we can be in him. He wants to give us a glimpse of the life he created us to live and what he wants us to experience. This is the God that we wrestle with. He just wants relationship with us. I was thinking about why a wrestler would ever enter into a match where they know the opponent is stronger or faster or bigger. Why would you do that? Maybe it's because you're overconfident. Maybe it's because you're, you're not seeing them clearly. But I wonder if it's not because you've come to realize you've watched enough tape or you've talked to enough people or you've examined things enough that you realize the person has a weakness, a vulnerability. And your whole point for getting into this is to, is to expose that vulnerability and attack it. And as strange as this sounds, I think that's what God does with us when we pray. We get into these wrestling matches with God and we struggle with God and we, and we pray with God this way because we have come to understand God's vulnerability, God's soft spot. I know it sounds weird, but God has chosen to humble himself in such a way that he yearns for us. And God's, God's vulnerability is is his unrelenting desire for us. And it's not because he is inherently weak, it's because he's inherently all-powerful. But he uses that power to be vulnerable. He doesn't use that power to crush us, although he could. He doesn't use that power to demean us, though he could. He uses that power to love us. He uses that power to yearn for us. You read the scriptures and it's almost embarrassing how much God yearns for his people and what he's willing to do in yearning for his people. Over and over and over again, they rebel on him, they turn from him, they disregard him, they go into idolatry. They are continually doing that. And God keeps coming after them. The poet calls it the hound of heaven who never stops Seeking us. It's the father of the prodigal son who humbles himself to run after his wayward child. It's the prophet Hosea telling us that God says to his people, I've had enough. This is it. I'm done with you. I'm going to leave you to all the consequences of your sin and your behavior. And the very next breath, God says, how can I give you up? How can I ever let go of my children? Let's do this again. And the reason we struggle with that is because we have, a, we have a skewed view of vulnerability. We think vulnerability is a bad thing. 
God sees vulnerability as a good thing. This is why Jesus comes. When Jesus enters this world, what could be more vulnerable than an infant child? What's more vulnerable than a man on a cross? It's because of who God is. It's because God wants relationship with us and he wants us to understand the great dreams and plans that he has for us. And the only way we can know that is to engage in life with him. To wrestle with him. For the rest of his life, I think Jacob, Jacob remembers that match. Because every morning when he gets out of bed, he feels it. Every time he reaches down to pick up his grandchild, he feels it. When he's out with the sheep, he feels it. Right there in that hip. He feels it. He knows when it's going to rain because he feels it. And even the people, his descendants who don't have an injured hip, they feel it too. Because as the writer says, from that point on, the Israelites don't eat that tendon. Because they remember. It's what happens when God wrestles with us. But man, what an end it gets us to. And maybe the greatest thing in the world is that we walk with a limp to remember who we are and who God is and what God wants for us. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. A.J. Swoboda says, Christians are a movement of people who who believe that God still wrestles with us. So we're willing to wrestle with God. Father, we thank you that this is your desire for us. You, you want to be close to us far more than we want to be. So teach us. Help us. Through the grace of Christ. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing together. Christ of the mysteries I 
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Oh,